0: Hello everyone, this is Lisa Fields, the founder and president of the Jude 3 Project. And I just want to take this time to personally thank all of our monthly supporters. We could not do what we do without giving from people like you. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. And if you're not a monthly supporter and you would like to become one, you can go to jude3project.org and hit the donate tab and sign up. We are grateful for you and we hope you enjoy today's new episode. God bless. Hello, welcome to the Jew3 Project podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Fields. I'm the founder of the Jew3 Project. Well, thank you for watching another episode of the Jew3 Project podcast. As always, I'm your host, Lisa Fields, the founder of the Jew3 Project. And today I'm joined by a very special guest, a friend of mine and the Jew3 Project, Mr. Justin Gibbany. Welcome, Justin.
1: Hey, Lisa, how's it going? Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for being with us again. Um, You've been on here before. Uh, For those who may not know who you are, just give them just a little bit of background about yourself.
1: Absolutely. So I am the uh, president of the AND campaign. I'm an attorney by trade. And also, I've been doing. Um, I'm in Atlanta. I've been doing uh, political strategy, campaign management, and stuff like that for over a decade. Um, so, really involved. You know, my I think my calling is just the intersection between faith and politics is my focus.
0: That's awesome, and um, we're on here today to talk about the CHC uh, Challenge, Church Helping Churches Challenge. Um, tell our audience just a little bit about that. You're uh, you've um, got a team together, um, G3 Project is on board as well, and other organizations. What kind of was the motivation behind the challenge and what is the challenge?
1: Yeah, so I've always had a heart for small churches. My grandfather pastored a small church for over 40 years, and so I've always had a heart for that. And when the uh, pandemic hit, just in conversation, so the A campaign has a pretty large uh, network of churches, and just in conversations with my friends who are the pastors of smaller churches, it became very clear that there was a lot of anxiety about whether they would even survive this crisis. Uh, You you know, um, uh, Lisa, that, uh, you know, when you have a smaller church, you're usually not getting that much income in anyway. And then when people start losing their jobs or you have an older congregation that doesn't really get online to give, you very quickly run into a situation where you might not be able to pay the bills the next month. Uh, and so that was on my heart. I ended up, and just hearing what people were saying, I ended up uh, tweeting out something about, you know, it would be great if uh, larger churches, especially majority churches, would help some of these smaller minority churches make it through uh, this crisis, that that would show what the church really is. And this would be the time to really start uh, caring for one another uh, and showing what the church is really about. Uh, got a call from some friends, uh, Some some people shared it, but got a call from some friends like, man, this is an excellent idea, you should really do something about it. So I called up some uh, some influencers that I knew, called up some donors, everybody was really into it. And I said, okay, well, let's do it. Uh, of course, you were one of the people I called, Lisa, one of the first people I called because I know your heart for the church um, and just happy to have you on the executive board doing all this and all the work you put in, but really just very quickly got a strong group of people who were committed. And because we're all kind of at home, right, uh, social distancing, we had some time to put something together in a week that's becoming really, really large at the moment.
0: So share what we're challenging churches to do, because it's not just alongside with, we want people to give um, and donate to the fund so we could help these churches uh, with small grants, but what are we also challenging churches to do um, in their own community?
1: Yeah. So the main thrust, Lisa, of of this initiative is to get large churches to give to smaller churches in their area. We want larger churches who may be making it through this situation more comfortably to look around them, look maybe on the other side of the tracks for uh, smaller churches who are struggling through this Uh, through this moment. I mean, as you know, a lot of these smaller churches are still the foundation of their community. When people are hungry, when people need spiritual uplift, that's where they go. So the worst case scenario would be that we get through this crisis and we look around and we don't have any of those small, small churches there. So the churches helping churches challenge is us encouraging larger churches, reaching out to larger churches, letting them know where the need is giving them the contact information for these smaller churches and saying, we need you to step up for these churches uh, now. And the truth of the matter is, so far, it hasn't taken that much pushing. But uh, the other thing is that we want to make sure that we were doing our part, Lisa, that uh, the AND campaign and some of our partners like, uh, you know, uh, like um, like the Jew3 project. We're coming and saying, you know what, let's set up our own fund. Let's see what we can raise. So we created the uh, COVID-19 Church Relief Fund. And what we're trying to do is raise $500,000 and we're almost getting closer to about $200,000, maybe uh, halfway there by the end of the week. And we just wanted to say, OK, let's take applications and then we'll give a grant of three $3,000 to smaller churches to help them get through this moment. Uh, and in the conversations that I've had, we've already, I think we already have 200, over 250 applications. And we're, as of probably tomorrow, we'll be giving our first grants out uh, through the National Christian Foundation.
0: That's awesome. I'm really, really excited about it. And I'm thankful that you spearheaded this uh, idea um, and put the work in and use all your resources. Uh, because I, what I, what one thing I really appreciate about you, Justin, is you don't just talk about things, you actually put the work in uh you're not just a twitter uh twitter uh, advocate you are in person uh, boots on the ground actually doing tangible things um what for the church uh churches that are listening that are led by small that are small churches um what does the application process look like for them
1: yeah so you would go to our website which is churchrelief.org churchrelief.org and you would simply apply uh, so you would, you know, you'd put the name of your church. Whoever's applying would have to be someone who's an officer at the of the church, so that we know they're speaking for the church. Uh, we would want you to be in a low-income area, so we will check to make sure that it's in a low-income area. We'd want to see a statement of faith just to make sure that it was a, a biblical church, uh, and, and so on. But you would, we make it pretty simple. It, it can all be electronic. We want to see uh, some documentation that you are registered with the state, uh, things of that nature. But it should be very quick. And we want to try to get as much money out to these churches as possible fast. But if you are in need, you should go to churchrelief.org and we'll do our best to get you some help. The churches that we can't fund through our fund, we will try to refer them to larger churches just to say, hey, these are some churches that are still in need. Can you help them?
0: That's that's awesome. And I think that's really helpful for those who are listening to say, well, why do we have to do that? That doesn't the CARES Act take care of it? Um, Can you kind of explain what the challenge is with the CARES Act for smaller churches?
1: Absolutely. So when Lisa talks about the CARES Act, she's talking about uh, the federal legislation to give relief uh, to small businesses, to individuals and all that stuff. Uh, Thankfully, because of some of the work that some Christian organizations have done on Capitol Hill, uh, faith organizations are included in the small business portion of that. So faith organizations can get some of this uh, trillions of dollars that's been placed out there for relief at this moment. And that's great. I think it's a blessing. I've had questions of whether that would kind of harm us when it comes to religious liberty or can we still speak out against, you know, uh, the president or anybody else if we take the money none of that should be a problem. This isn't a matter of a religious freedom or any of that stuff being abridged, but it is an opportunity for to help churches survive. The issue with the CARES Act is that we're not exactly sure how long it could take. We've had conversations with uh, some of the people who actually were uh, um, lobbying for this legislation to make sure that churches were a part of it, with attorneys out in D.C. who've uh, you know, been close to this conversation, and many of them still aren't exactly sure how long it's going to take something it could take up to 60 days and then you and then Lisa for small churches just applying in general could be very hard you know they may not have the resources to even apply so what we said was hey we can't wait for the government we hope that assistance comes we hope we hope to help uh, churches that want to apply on some level but we can't wait for that because the fact of the matter is Lisa the church is, is mostly responsible for doing that anyway Uh, We are the ones that should be the first ones on the scene to help our brothers and sisters who are small, at-risk churches, again, that will not survive this if we don't reach out and and lend them a helping hand.
0: That's awesome. And one of the things that about this um, church, this challenge is it helps bridge the gap with reconciliation. Um, Can you talk about a little bit what what we and what our goal is behind reconciliation uh, with this project?
1: yeah so i get a lot of questions about reconciliation especially from majority organizations majority leaders and i tell them look if you want racial reconciliation just to be some kumbaya if you want to get together and just have a conversation we can do that because fellowship is important but we really have to get to where the rubber meets the road you have african-american hispanic and we even have some uh, native american churches who have applied who are barely making it and so i always say if we're really going to talk about reconciliation We need to either be talking about policy, how we can change policy to help uh, racial minorities, or we need to be talking about funding. And this is really where the the COVID-19 Church Relief uh, Fund comes in. When you can provide funding, when you can be self-sacrificial and give uh, and give more than just words, give of yourself, uh, come out of your comfort zone, then we can have a real conversation about and move forward on the racial reconciliation conversation. But we can't do it if we're going to ignore all the history, ignore uh, the disparity when it comes to uh, finances uh, among races. We're not going to ignore those things. And I am just encouraged, even though we have a long way to go in a lot of different areas, I'm encouraged by how a lot of majority organizations, uh, majority churches churches have stepped up and said, we want to help because we see the importance of this. Does that get us all the way where we need to be? No, it doesn't. But I, I do think that it's a step in the right direction. And it's in, you know, the end campaign, and I know Jude 3 Project is saying, we want to give people the opportunities to reconcile. We want to give people opportunities to do the right thing. And for uh, the church, uh, which is divided, and we know that from the Bible that it shouldn't be divided. We want to give people opportunities to start coming together and kind of mend uh, some of the division in the church. And I think this is a good start.
0: That's awesome. Um, one of the things, uh, that I think people are struggling with right now is advocacy in this moment. Um, what are some things that you think the everyday person can do? Uh, because we see, we still see the political divide, even in this very, uh, moment of a pandemic. Um, and there's so much, uh, there's so many articles going around and you don't know really if if a person is helping or hurting the situation. Uh, you only know by the rhetoric. So the more eloquent a person is, you tend to think they're actually being helpful. Um, but then you see another article that says they're hurting um, other people. So like I'll take, for instance, I thought I think Governor Cuomo is doing an excellent job. But then my friends in New York was like, no, he's not good. And so I'm like, oh, well, I don't know because I'm not... I'm not in New York, but he seems to be leading well in this moment. Um, How do we how do we navigate that up to know kind of who has our best interests? And I know we can never fully know, but how what are some helpful things to look for? Not just rhetoric.
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I think you hit it on the head. A lot of times it's just hard to tell. Uh, A lot of times it just depends on who you ask. I've had a lot of the same conversations. My old roommate lives in New York. He has one opinion. I have another homeboy who lives in New York who might have a different opinion. It's really hard to tell. You know, the one thing that I would tell people is to try always try to find, you know, writers and folks like that that you trust. That doesn't mean that you don't apply any kind of uh, critical thinking to what they say. But, you know, you can kind of follow them. And if they're intellectually honest, it may help you discover what's going on. But right now, I don't even think what's important is any type of partisan or I like this guy. I don't like that guy. I think what's important is trying to find a way to help uh, because there's been mistakes made all around. And I think when this is over, we can go. Uh, mistake by mistake. And if we want to find blame, we can do that. But right now, I think what Christians need to do is find a way to help somebody next to them. Right. Uh, and it could be as simple as calling your friends. And, um, you know, if you have a friend that doesn't have a lot of people around them or, you you know, that you haven't talked to in a while, just calling and checking on people. Uh, but but again, and this is a little bit of, I guess, uh, a pr- promotion for, for what we're doing. I think the church Churches Helping Churches Initiative is a huge opportunity. I mean, you can give a lot or you can give a little, but 100% of these proceeds are going to churches. 100% of it is going to be going to churches. So even if you give $2, $5, it's going to be used to go to a church that's needed. And like I said before, these are the churches that are helping their communities and that these communities need. So I would try, you know, I'm a political guy. I talk about politics and policy all the time. I'm trying to be as apolitical, so to speak, as possible when it comes to this. I'm trying not to be partisan or political when it comes to this conversation because everybody's hurting, everybody's going through something. A lot of mistakes have been made. We can figure out that out when the time comes, but we just need to be focused on uh, making sure that we're protecting ourselves and protecting others, staying safe and helping people where we can. And even when we're sitting in our house, I think uh, projects like the Churches Helping Churches Challenge gives us an opportunity to help so we should, just be, we should just be looking for those opportunities in my opinion.
0: That's helpful uh, and I think a necessary word uh, to help us not be so uh, caught up in the, the, the politics of it all uh, but to, to move on the human need uh, that's very present in this moment. Um, when we think about going back to the CARES Act, a lot of people in church that may have lost their jobs don't really understand what it all entails. Um, I, from your from your vantage point, kind of just give a brief overview for those who are listening. Um, that's like, I, I've lost my job. Um, I'm really struggling. I have a small business. I don't know uh, what to do. What does this, does this provide relief for me?
1: Yeah. So the CARES Act covers a lot of ground. The good thing about uh, when the CARES Act came uh, came through, there's almost something in it for everybody. So whether you were employed, they you know if you were employed and you got uh, uh, laid off, there's an expansion of unemployment in there that's very robust. Uh, depending on how much money you make, if you don't make, I think over seventy five thousand dollars, you're gonna get you know twelve thousand uh, dollars direct check to you, uh, or you can get that uh, direct deposit depending on you know what. Uh, what you have already filed with the IRS. So there's something in it for a lot of people when it comes to the SBA and the SBA is a small business administration and you are a a nonprofit or you're just a, you know, you just run a small business that's for profit. You can go to their website and there's an application to, to sign up for the relief. Uh, There's a decent amount of money. Most of it is pointed to more than a decent amount of money, but most of it is pointed towards keeping people employed. So if you have employees, uh, if you're employed through your own uh, organization, there's going to be money to keep people employed. And I think uh, they did a good job in making sure that it was focused on that uh, giving money, but make sure the money was pointing towards keeping people employed, even when they couldn't you know, be at the office and then giving direct money to people as well. There's a conversation to be had of, about whether it's enough money going directly to individuals. I think that's fair. But. There is something in it for everybody. And so we need to work. I would expect that there may be one more piece of legislation coming coming out uh, to help people as because I think this is we're seeing that this is going to be a little longer uh, uh, social distancing and these shutdowns are going to be a little longer than we expected. Uh, but I would certainly there's a lot of different resources, too. Uh, and let me say this. You can go on the churchrelief.org website and get some more information about the CARES Act as well. But there's a lot of different information out there. A lot of organizations are are making it easy for people to get involved. And one of the things that we'll be doing with our our, um, initiative on the back end is helping uh, Christians uh, apply for those things and giving them resources so that they know exactly what to do and take some of the guesswork out of it for them.
0: That's awesome. Um, what, what projects does the end campaign have coming up, uh, outside of the, the, um, church relief, um, challenge?
1: Yeah, I mean, well, we had a lot of stuff going on, as you know, <laughs> uh, but once, once this stuff got shut down, it seems like a lot of stuff got shut down. I myself have probably canceled six or seven speaking engagements, and, and that's just the way it is. One of the big things that the AND campaign has coming up is our book is coming out. So uh, myself, Michael Ware, who's my, my partner in the AN campaign, another partner, uh, Chris Butler, who is a political and pastor out in Chicago, uh, we wrote a book and it's called Compassion and Conviction. It's the AND Campaign's guide to a faithful civic engagement. And this is really the AND Campaign's framework. If you're a Christian who may be a a Democrat or a Republican, but you're really trying to find a way to be faithful in that and to be a Christian before you're any of those things, that's going to be the book for you because it really breaks down in a very biblical way and a very Bible study friendly way how Christians should think about politics. So we talk about you know, should Christians engage politics? Um, how should we do that? How should we, you know, when we talk about rhetoric, when we talk about uh, civility, what is the true relationship between church and state? All those things are covered in this book. Great reading uh, for a time. If we're still locked down in, J- in July, because it comes out on, J- on July 21st, it's great reading, but I really think it's going to help the body think differently about how we engage politics. Uh, that's our number one thing. We'll be promoting that. Uh, but as for now, uh, you and I have a lot of uh, applications on our hands, so I think our hands are full with this uh, Churches Helping Churches Challenge.
0: That's what's up, Justin. That is extremely helpful. What uh, do you want to say to our audience about the Churches Helping Churches Challenge that we haven't already discussed?
1: Just generally, uh, what who is the church when, when a crisis happens? Who are we and what is our purpose? We have an opportunity even in the midst of a pandemic to show people what the church is really about. Yes, we have divisions, yes we have history of racism and everything else. Yes, we'll still probably have problems after the crisis is over. But what can we do now? And I think we all have to have the grace to give others an opportunity to do the right thing, to bring about awareness about what's going on in our communities and to say, "Hey, it's time to have to, to for others to have a helping hand and for us to help uh, in some way too. So one of the things that we're trying to do with the church's helping churches challenge is create relationships, right? The beauty of, of, of our fund is that it's no strings attached. So anybody who gives to our fund, you can't go to that church and say, hey, I want you to do this, 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 and this to get it. No, this is no strings attached. We're not telling you what to do with it. We're transparent. And we want to make sure that it's actually a church and all that stuff, but we're handing it over. But we want to make sure that these are relationships so that when we say, okay, there's Three churches in Chicago that need some help. When we go to a larger church and and let them know where those churches are, we want them to build relationships because the truth is, uh, Lisa, that small church probably has some things that it can teach that larger church, especially when it comes to race, when it comes to 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 working through and working through uh, situations where you don't have a lot of resources, being resourceful and dealing with people in different situations that that larger church may not have to deal with. We want to build those relationships. So we don't think we're going to come out of this and everything be perfect. But I know that you believe this too. We got to try to bring about some conciliation, to bring about some unity. And I just thought this was an opportunity to say, you say you care. You're telling me you care. Well, show, show us that you care and helping other people in the body of, of Christ who may not survive if somebody doesn't reach out and help. And I think that's the bottom line. It's about relationship. There's an uh, underlying theme that's that's about conciliation between this divided church. We got a lot of work to do, but I think this is a very encouraging step. That's
0: that's important, and I think it helpful. Um, I love that the best practices are on the website. And one of the things that I just remembered was um, be open to new ideas, and I think that is really important, especially for smaller churches, because I, I think a lot of people miss. And I was talking to my friend about this and he was like oh I didn't even think about smaller churches that are led by a pastor that's elderly most of the congregants are are elderly they don't have online giving set up or if they do nobody uses it um yeah. they don't know I was watching the live stream last night and the pastor was trying to set it up him and his wife and they're elderly and you could tell they were fumbling trying yeah. to set it up but then it I was just like so imagine The fact that they're going to go two months without anybody giving because they can say, Well, mail in your gift, but you have to elderly people then have to get out their house to go to the post office to mail in their gift. Um, And so when a majority culture church is thinking about, Oh, well, they just text to give, it's like, No, they don't need to have that set up. Uh, Nobody feels comfortable using it. And if the church is older, they don't have any young members to help them in this time. So they just die out. Um, So one of the things I think is important is helping those churches uh, innovate going forward, um, which is something I know that is on your heart as well as mine. Um, how should we be thinking about younger younger people uh, should be thinking about helping our our elders innovate in this time?
1: That's a good question. Um, And I think one one thing you have to do is actually understand their needs. Right. If you go to if you're a person who, you know, you know, you may go to one church, but you know of a church who may be struggling, reach out, give them a call. There may be things that you can teach them over the phone. We know that we can't necessarily be in the same room with everybody, but there may be ways that you can give them instruction that even when it's something like starting a Facebook page, something like that, you may be able to walk them through that. We take for granted how much we know and how easy it may be for us to kind of maneuver through all uh, the uh, the technology and all that. Everybody doesn't know that. So I would just sit down, maybe even go through my phone and just think of people who may be going to a church who is stro- that is struggling right now. Number one, you can get them to apply to the uh, Churches Helping Churches Challenge. That's one thing you can do. Or you can really sit down and think through with them ways that you can be helpful Technology is, is, seems so easy to be used, but if you don't have that knowledge base, uh, if you if no one's ever shown it to you, then you just don't know. So use that to be helpful, and I think it would help everybody just to take 30 minutes to an hour just to think about who you can help. Go through your phone, think about who you can help, and you never know. You may run into to somebody and end up saving their church from being shut down because you took the time to care and to really think about who could be helped.
0: Yeah, that's that's vital. And I think everybody knows someone It's probably the church you grew up in your grandmother's church. Um, You know, you may go to the fancy church uh, with the lights and all the tech now, but, you know, the church you grew up in is probably not going to make it through this without your help. So this is an opportunity for you to to be a a resource to invest in the people who invested in you when you were when you were coming up um don't forget and don't uh don't think oh it's better in this side we have the church we got all the stuff and just leave those people behind because you wouldn't be where you were you are without those those people so remember them in this time um justin uh how can people get in contact with you on social media
1: yeah so my my social media handle is justin E Giboney, G-I-B-O-N-E-Y, Justin E Gibbony. That's for uh, Twitter and uh, Instagram. So you can, you can holler at me there, or you can get in touch with the and campaign with the handle at uh, A-N-D campaign at A-N-D campaign, or just go to our website and uh, org.
0: Thank you so much, Justin. It's been a pleasure having you on the podcast. Make sure you check out the and campaign and make sure you get They're a new book when it comes out in July. Um, I believe that's when you said July, right?
1: July 21st, that's right.
0: Yeah, July 21st. Make sure you get that. Um, Remember here at the Jude 3 Project, we're helping you to know what you believe and why you believe it. And before we go, make sure you check out our new curriculum through Eyes of Color and contextualized God to helping you know what you believe and why. And you can also become a monthly partner um, at jude3project.org. Until next time, grace and peace. God bless. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Jew Three Project podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can tune into all our past episodes at www.jew3project.com. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Remember not only to subscribe, but also rate us. That helps us to gauge how we're doing and how you're enjoying the show, and it gives other listeners some ideas about the show as well so thank you so much for tuning in also remember we have our bible engagement app in partnership with back to the bible to help you get better engaged